Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of Movies. My name's Colin on the C. Joining me as ever is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. Uh, I've noticed you changed your picture on Skype. Did I? What's my picture now? I have no idea. That's you touching something. That, that sounds <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, it's me holding a fake FA Cup. Um, uh, from my, yeah, clear. We don't talk enough about I, football on this podcast, Zijan, I've always thought. For good reason. <laughs> but uh, people may have picked up that I'm a fan of Wolverhampton Wanderers. And this was, um, I went to see Wolves versus Man United in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And there was, there was a guy outside the ground who was, uh, basically, for £2, you could pose with the uh, with a fake FA Cup with Wolves ribbons on it. So I did that. Uh, um, it, that's why I didn't recognise it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense now. Uh, it was wonderful. Sadly, uh, sadly, we didn't get to the FA Cup final, but... Uh, it's always next year. <laughs> um, today we're talking about uh, X-Men uh, Dark Phoenix. The, uh, ooh, I don't know, 10th X-Men film? Who knows? Probably. Uh, well, we did mention this in our previous podcast, but surprise! surprise. <laughs> oh, yes, we didn't know what we were going to do. We couldn't think of anything, so we thought, well, X-Men's out. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Um, uh, we've also got a quiz on uh, some Disney cartoon fi- animated films. We're talking about the films of Jamie Bell and much, much more. Much more. This- I just, this is probably going to be one of our lowest ever rating uh, podcasts um, uh, because... Why do you say that? No one, I think, cares about X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yeah, neither did uh, I when, yeah. I went to watch it. So, um, hey, if, you're, if you've just tuned in and think, oh, I don't care about X-Men Dark Phoenix, there's so much more going on in this podcast. <laughs> en- enjoy all of that. And hey, listen to our thoughts on X-Men Dark Phoenix. They might be better than the film. Who knows? Um, but first of all, the news and there's so much news this time so much news well um i was going to start with because you spoke about x-men dark phoenix i thought i'd just briefly mention that um it broke uh well it created a record oh yes recently a good record yeah no <laughs> <laughs> yeah it scored the lowest domestic debut of any x-men film with only 33 million made in the first weekend and, and previously there were what 50 to 70, were they, generally? Yeah, X-Men Apocalypse got 66 million. So this is half that. That's uh, a huge That's drop. A drop. And in fact, and, and, yeah. a, and a huge drop off for their second week. I think a 75% yeah. drop or something like that, was it? Yeah, so some record-breaking stuff here. He actually um, came behind The Secret Life of Pets too. <laughs> Uh, for the opening box office, wow, earnings. So, um, so I don't want to preempt our thoughts on X Men, uh, not Phoenix, but um, yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't look good, does it? A, <laughs> it's not proving a hit with audiences, shall we say? No. Um, I mean, it's, we already knew it was the last one, give or take. New Mutants, if they ever put New Mutants out, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's that... a shame to have such a lackluster uh, send off. Um, the big movie news of the last fortnight season, though, is um, is of course uh, Justin Bieber challenging Tom Cruise to a, to a fight. What did you see this? No, <laughs> no I've not heard of this. <laughs> what is this? So, uh, so Justin Bieber, who's twenty five, uh, tweeted out. Um, uh, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but something like, "I'd like to challenge Tom Cruise to a fight in the octagon. Uh, if you run away from this, you're a coward and you'll never live it down." Or I think it was this something like that. Um, so the Optican being uh, is it Ultimate Fighting Champion or Mixed Martial Arts or one of those kind of things uh, uh, yep. so Justin Bieber the Biebs uh, wants to, to fight Tom Cruise who is uh, 31 years older than him um, more than twice more his than age more than twice his age uh, in an Optican match so far Tom Cruise has not responded um, good for him yeah, yeah. but uh, that, that struck me as a, as an event I would I would watch that <laughs> 
I'm not, I don't even know who will win in this hmm. um this bout. I mean, like, I mean, Tom Cruise is f- uh, fit for his age, but he is old. And once he does some great stunts and things, he doesn't do real. He's very good at choreography, and hmm. he, and he throws himself around a lot. Uh, I'm assuming since Justin Bieber has has thrown out this uh, invitation that he presumably does mix martial arts for some variety. I didn't bother researching. Does he? Well, I don't. I, I'm assuming he must do. He didn't just come up with this from nowhere. Hmm. I, I know. I have a feeling that Tom Cruise has a higher pain tolerance than Justin hmm. Bieber does. And what? He doesn't look like a kind of person who can, you know. I'd say he's got good stamina. Uh, hmm. But then, I mean, because if I was challenging Tom Cruise in any way. I wouldn't challenge him to a to a, a fight. I I mean I'd challenge him to a, a crossword contest or because <laughs> I'd know that I would be in a good position. Although in fairness, with Tom Cruise, it wouldn't surprise me if he then dedicated the next two years of his life to becoming amazing at crosswords or something. But um, but I, so I think Justin Bieber must be challenging him. To, I mean, why didn't you challenge him to a singing contest or something? You think that would be? Uh, maybe he thought it would be a bit unfair. In fairness, Tom Cruise has been in the musical. In Rock of Ages, he has? so maybe he was too yeah, maybe yeah. worried about losing that one. He's got a good voice, actually, Tom Cruise. Who who is judging this anyway? Um, well, I, I I'm, not, I'm not an expert in mixed martial arts. You'd be surprised to know, but I guess they probably have referees. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Anyway, how is this film news, by the way? <laughs> Tom Cruise is an actor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got so much news, but I, that, 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 it just amused me. Has Justin Bieber been in any films? There must have been a documentary film or something. He was. He was. He was. He came out in something. Oh, he oh. was in. Um, he did. It wasn't. Wasn't Kingsman, was it? Oh, no, what was it that uh, he came the, out in? Um, the, the Zoolander sequel. Yes. 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 Exactly. So yeah, he is a film actor. As well, well. There you go. They're both actors slash singers slash mixed martial artists. <laughs> You, right. You, you got me real, <laughs> Moving on. Can I move on? Please, like, please move on. Far from this, yeah. Um, Actually, I just I want so, to take this opportunity then to challenge you to a fight in the octagon. Um, what kind of fight? Uh, whatever they do in octagons, I don't know. No one will want to watch both of us fight, Colin. <laughs> it will be like. The- <laughs> I think we need the challenge for supremacy of the podcast. That's. Uh, uh, based on the ratings of the Shazam podcast that I did all by myself, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we know who the winner is. Some fighting talk. Now I realize <laughs> I realize you're an older man, so perhaps it's not entirely fair. <laughs> I'm definitely not more than twice your age. No, but for a glorious brief period in uh, uh, in late 1985, you were twice my age. Um, <laughs> <Moving really on. laughs> Um, so uh, Robert Pattinson has finally been cast definitively the Batman, Batman. Yeah. definitely the Batman and apparently it's going to start off a new trilogy because every why film. wouldn't it be <laughs> what was the last film that wasn't starting a new trilogy huh? <laughs> exactly right uh, I think it's a smart move to move away from the let's jump into Justice League as quickly as possible so I, I mean do we do we know is this in the same universe as Wonder Woman say or Shazam or Who? Uh, or the Joker, which is a different thing, I guess. Who knows? No one knows. <laughs> yeah, but it's supposed to be on his the early years of his life, right? So maybe he'll meet a you know Wonder Woman in the eighties or something. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I think it's that I works. think it's wise for them to move away from the shared universe until they've got yeah. some better films. <sighs> uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, we'll see how the first one goes. But uh, promising signs, I think. Yeah, I do like Robert Pattinson as him. He has a good jaw, as you mentioned before. Mm. You know, I can't remember if I mentioned this. Uh, Chris Hewitt, who's uh, on the Empire podcast, he was suggesting that Nicholas Holt would be a very good Superman. And, uh, I think that's a good call. 
Speaking of X Men, yeah, I definitely can see that. I definitely um, can see well, that he uh, grew on me. Mm, and I think as a he'd make an excellent Clark Kent. So I think he'd do do both sides very well. Because uh, apparently he was down to the final two for Batman, maybe the final three. Um, oh really? Final two. So I think him and Robert Pattinson both flew out to wherever they flew out to. Oh yeah. To, uh, I can kind of see him as Batman as well, though. He also does have a quite defined jawline. He does. I think he could. I think he could do it. I don't. Th- I think that they've probably made the right choice. But I think he'd be better as uh, Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, more superhero news. Um, Mindy Kaling has spoken to to Marvel about uh, bringing Ms. Marvel to the screen. Well, not necessarily big screen. Could be a Disney Plus thing. Ah, uh, oh, nice. So that, I think that's more or less all we've got. So she she said that she's been talking to them. Um, mm. I'm not sure whether they reached out to her or she reached out to them or, or a bit of both. Um, but this is my favourite part of the podcast season is when I just mention a superhero or super, uh, Marvel <laughs> character and then ask you to tell us about them. Uh, well, Miss Marvel, I can do, I can, I can tell, I can, I can speak about her. Oh, She's um, probably most noted for being the first Muslim mm. uh, superhero in a comic book history. Uh, she basically got exposed to some Terrigan mess, um, and she has the power to, you know, expand ex- or extend any part of her body, kind of like Mister Fantastic. Oh, okay. And a uh, Fantastic Four, uh, in the Fantastic Four, so she can make her fists larger, for example, um, and yeah, things like that. And she idolizes a uh, Captain Marvel. That, so, Carol so she, she names herself after. Yes, okay. as a tribute. Um, it's good she's a teenager as well, so I guess she, uh, it makes sense because she she plays very well with uh, Peter Parker. Ah, uh, okay. Because uh, they're both the same age, and I think they do hang around the same crowd, so it makes for a younger Avengers rather than what we have right so now. Is she is she Indian? Uh, so I think she's more of the Middle Eastern. Uh, okay. Because hmm. um, uh, lineage, but she's uh, American, like right. Oh, American. she okay, mm. okay. Because uh, it's interesting. I mean, Mindy Kaling, I think, is a is a very funny writer. Um, obviously involved in the office and the Mindy project and late night recently mm-hmm. um so i don't know whether they'd be pushing more the comedic side with this if they, if they go along those lines um so i, I find it interesting also you talk about um her being the first muslim because the, the marvel hasn't done a lot with with religion or faith other than uh daredevil who's kind of the, is always a catholic yep, character that's true and there's this kind of a throwaway reference in first avengers that, that uh captain america believed in god but that was that's about it. So it'd be interesting to see if they do, um, whether there's a kind of cultural Islam as opposed to a mm. religious Islam, which is a distinction that's not getting into too much. But it'd be interesting to see if they, if they do go down that line. Yeah, yeah it'd be good. Um, I think she's she's very popular, though. She's mm, one of the more so, popular yeah. superheroes now. So um, I'm pretty sure she'll get you know, lots of good uh, responses if um, they have the green like this. Hmm. And I'm sure they will, but whether I think whether they decide to make a kind of a one-off, I don't know. I mean, Disney Plus are doing one-off movies. I don't know. Um, it seems a shame to kind of bury it there almost because it, it doesn't feel like it's big enough to get people to get Disney Plus on the base of that because it doesn't have the the in-universe recognition, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but why would you not just put it on the big screen? Exactly. Uh, last bit of comic book news. <laughs> yeah. So many of them. Um, there, there is a potential director for Black Adam. Oh yeah. Do you want to try and pronounce the name? No. <laughs> do you want to do that? I can pronounce the last name. You can pronounce the first uh, name. Well, it's J-A-U-M-E. Jaum? Jaum. Jaum? Okay. Colette Sarah. That's his last name. Well, um, he's currently, for those who don't know, and I didn't know this either, um, he's currently um, uh, going to direct Jungle Cruise uh, mm. with The Rock. Um, so I guess uh, they kind of try to um, 
have this same collaboration again for Black Adam because uh, Dwayne Johnson is going to play. You know, He's Black been Adam. for Black Adam for a long time, hasn't he? Yeah, I know. Who who knows if this is going to happen as well? Well, it looks looks like it will now. But uh, yeah, I, I'd never heard of this college Sarah But um, looking at the the films, oh, um, his films, it doesn't matter, isn't it? Um, it seems to do a lot of kind of um, late Liam Neeson films. So not Taken, but kind of the ones he started making after Taken. So mm, non okay. non stop um, is the only one that started I can remember. But uh, a lot of the kind of geriatric action stuff that Liam Neeson was doing. And as you say, Jungle Cruise, which I think got, I think is in the can is uh, already. I think it's been filmed. Maybe they're doing some reshoots. I'm not sure. Uh, what have we got here? Um, Kevin Hart is uh, is being lined up to, play, to for a remake of Scrooged, um, the the Bill Murray film from I guess sometime in the 80s, um, mm-hmm. which is a retelling of uh, Christmas Carol. Have you seen Scrooged? I have not seen Scrooged. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Although I don't know the story of the Christmas Carol. Yeah, so it's, it's transplanted to that. But I think Bill Murray is a TV executive, if I remember rightly. Um, gets visited by the ghosts. Uh, it's much loved. I thought it was pretty bad, to be honest. I saw it a couple of Christmases <laughs> I, ago, and um, I barely got through it. But uh, but many people love it. I thought it was a film with uh, Jim Carrey as Scrooge as well. Uh, there was. There was a weird um, motion capture... Not, yeah, motion capture animated type of thing, wasn't there? Um, mm. From Robert Zemeckis, I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I mean Kevin. I think Kevin Hart could do this well. He, you don't see a lot of variety from Kevin Hart on the big screen. I'm not sure why I've seen him on the big screen before, though. As uh, well, uh, well, obviously Jumanji. Oh uh, yes, yes, that's right. But, but that's it. Yeah, um, I've seen him. He was in uh, a remake of About Last Night. He was in uh, Grudge Match. I'm really pulling out his the hits here. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. But if you've seen one of his films, or indeed his stand-up, you've seen all his films. Um, okay. Date, I think <laughs> that's that's his that's his mode. There was quite amusing. Mm. I mean, I love Jumanji, but there was quite a good um, trailer, I think it was an honest trailer thing on on YouTube where they basically said everyone's playing against type, um, apart from Kevin Hart, who's playing Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I did find him very funny in um, the Graham Norton show. Um, yeah, when he came on with uh, Will Smith, I thought they they bounce off each other very well. He's he's a very funny guy. He is very funny. I, I've I've seen a little bit of his stand up. Uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's very good. He was the best thing in Grudge Match, but that's not saying much. It was pretty bad. For him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, one more um, music sh- uh, music biopic is happening apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there is going to be a film based on our Culture Club frontman Boy George. Yeah. <laughs> so after Freddie Mercury and Elton John, we are going to have Boy George. This seems like a mistake to me, because uh, I can name two Culture Club songs, and I I think I'm in the same boat as everyone else. It, it can't Culture Club. This one they did the Chameleon song, right? Come Chameleon, um, and do you really want to hurt me? Are the only two songs anyone really knows by Culture Club? I don't even know the second song. No, fair enough. Um, I think uh, do you, I think in Black Panther, um, Claw sings it in the interrogation scene. Uh, anyway, okay, um, yeah. So th- th- those are two big hits, and Carmen Comedian by far the bigger of those two. Hmm. I mean, his his story. Such, I mean, it's not very different to the other stories, and that he kind of reached fame, lots of drugs and problems. Yeah, exactly. Like that was what I was thinking when I was looking at the synopsis of the potential film. Like there, there isn't much difference between you know 
his story versus Elton John's story versus Freddie Mercury's story. Yeah, the difference the being, same. yeah, Queen and Elton John have both got an incredible back catalogue of songs. <laughs> and I think, yeah, you don't have to make it a musical, but but you, no one's going to want to see a, a biopic of a singer whose songs you don't like. <laughs> it's just, um, and to be honest, he wasn't a rev. Well, I, I could be doing him down, but I don't think he was a revolutionary singer-songwriter. I mean, he's done no. some good stuff, but he's not like, I mean, Queen, Elton John, I, know, I saw um, the James Brown one, or there's the Ray Charles, or the Johnny Cash. They kind of, yeah, changed music. And I don't think Boy George did. So uh, Well, yeah, I wouldn't be watching it because I don't know any of his songs. No, I mean, it just feels very much to me as a, oh, well, yeah, Freddie Mercury and Elton John did well. Who else is this? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I could be wrong. It could end up being the greatest film of the year, of the year but I suspect <laughs> Suspect not. Um, we know that we're getting a uh, a remake of Rebecca for Netflix. Uh, there's been some more casting of that. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas has been cast as Mrs. Danvers, um, which I think is uh, superb casting. I think she's great. Do I know great. Kristen Scott Thomas? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for answering for me. Yeah. She is one of our most illustrious actresses. Huh. Uh, and she also she occasionally does French films just to show off that she can speak fluent French. Okay. Well, I do like the character of Mrs. Danvers though. So, um, and I think the previous actress who played her um, in the Hitchcock film got nominated for an Oscar as well for a performance. All right. So those are quite big shoes to fill. You remember from her excellent work as um, the person who looked took over Lara Croft's company in Tomb Raider. Yes, exactly. I knew who. Oh, now I know. Yeah. Anyway, well, anyway, she's one of our finest um, actors, um, and she's great casting for that, which has already got Army Hammer and Lily James, and I think it's shaping up to be uh, really good, potentially, or at least really good cast. Uh, we, we've we got casting for the daughters for Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, for, and I don't know where they've appeared before, but apparently Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne will be playing... Uh, Bill and Ted's daughters. I have. Well, not their daughters collectively, but yeah. <laughs> Samara Weaver will play Ted's daughter and Bridget Lundy Payne will play Bill's daughter. I have not heard of either of them. Um, nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but apparently Bill and Ted have named their daughters after each other. So I think Ted's daughter's called Billy and Bill's daughter's called Theodora, maybe? Oh, wow. Something like that. Uh, which I think is quite fun. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, what else we got here? Sigourney Weaver is back for the new Ghostbusters film. Uh, Which new Ghostbusters film are we talking about? Um, the one that uh, Jason Reitman is doing. This oh, so this is the actual sequel to Ghostbusters 2 then? Uh, yes. Yes. Are you just saying yes because... <laughs> no, it is. It is. I think he's trying to get all the originals back. But, um, so it's going to be a teenage crew, I think. But uh, Sigourney Weaver has said she's back for it, which is a bit of a surprise because she doesn't always come back for things. I'm probably not going to watch this, but uh, there you go. She's in it. Yeah, who doesn't like Sigourney Weaver anyway? I have no feelings either way about Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> um, Mark Webb from 500 Days of Summer fame is a uh, top choice to direct the upcoming Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs live action remake, mm. which makes it uh, the number how many live action remakes for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because uh, oh, there yes. was Mirror Mirror with uh, Julia Roberts and Lily Collins there was Snowman and the Huntsman with Charlize Theron and Christian Stewart so yes. and that was only in the past 10 years and not to forget uh, uh, was it Huntsman Winter's War the uh, prequel to Snow White and the Huntsman maybe or sequel uh, or something 
There were no dwarfs in it, so I don't count that. Okay, I think there might have been, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, um, so Pasek and Paul, um, you know, now the the biggest songwriters mm. in the of Hollywood, um, is set to write new songs for the film. Oh, they didn't know. Okay, um, yeah. Well, the Snow White's Hi Ho Hi Ho. That was Snow White. Uh, yes, and someday my prince will come. Oh, was that Snow White? Okay, mm-hmm. um, it's one of those films that I've seen clips from, but I'm not actually, yeah, uh, not actually seen. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've, Mark Webb, I'm not sure what he's been doing since um, Amazing Spider-Man. But. No, me neither. I still love 500 Days of Summer, though. That, that was his, this is his best film by film. far. Yeah. Um, so we already know Chris Hemsworth is not doing the next Star Trek film, as it stands. So there was talk to start Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine would be uh, would be teaming up as Captain Kirk and Captain Kirk's dad in a time travel adventure, which sounded great fun. Um, but Chris Hemsworth has now come and said the reason he's not doing it is the script. Uh, where really? I thought it was all about money. We 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 thought it was all about money, and to be honest, I'm not entirely sure I believe Chris Hemsworth on this one, but uh, who knows? Uh, but that's what he's come out and said. And um, in other Star Trek news, Quentin Tarantino is talking a bit more about his upcoming Star Trek film, uh, where he said it's going to be R-rated, which I think we all guessed anyway. I didn't know he was doing a Star Trek film, but this would make his ten film, and if I'm not mistaken, he's supposed to stop directing after. Apparently so. Apparently so. Yeah. So he talked about this a while ago. I think was, I'm not sure whether, how serious it was, but yeah, this it does seem to be happening. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be parallel universe because it's yeah. But he wants to do full on swearing gun. Well, maybe not guns, blood, violence, whatever else. Well, well, that's Quentin Tarantino, right? So <laughs> no surprises there whatsoever. Is it just me, or does it feel like a shortcoming of a director if you can't make a film that doesn't have those things in it? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't want to criticize. Quentin Tarantino, because I don't really—I've only seen one of his films. But surely, that—that that feels like a weakness if you can't do a film unless it's R-rated and filled with swearing and violence. I don't well, we, there's once upon a time Hollywood that's coming up, so you can make a make a judgment from that. Yeah, I'm I'm tempted to see that one. Uh I don't have any more, do I? Probably not. Not important news, anyway. Okay, I've got a few more. Uh, I'm not sure they're important, but here we go. <laughs> um. The Suicide Squad is pretty definitely a sequel now, despite all their claims it was a reboot or a remake or whatever. Uh, uh, they've confirmed Joel Kinnaman is back as Rick Flagg. Uh, and Benicio Del Toro is rumoured to be joining the cast. Uh, he's so, always good. Well, yeah, Rick Flagg wasn't a big character in the previous one anyway. So. No, he wasn't huge. I mean, I, I, I thought he was actually pretty good in it. He was one of the, one of the better ones, but yeah, pretty bland. Um, yeah. I imagine it's going to be like a Margot Robbie show anyway now. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you bring back Rick Flagg, you need to bring back um, the Enchantress because that was his whole point, I guess. <sighs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of watching Cara Delevingne again, gyrating her hips. She's not a very strong actor. Um, and uh, the last piece of news to finish on, um, we're going to get Spice Girls animated films. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that one of the films you walked out of? Uh, no, Spice World. No, I, I sat all the way through Spice World at the cinema. The, oh. the Evesham Regal. Um, uh, is, is Posh back for this, though? Uh, apparently so. Apparently so. Although, I don't, yeah, I'm assuming they're going to do their own voices, but who knows? They might just get uh-huh. someone else. Do you see Spice World? No. Uh, the Spice Girls big in Malaysia taste. back in the day? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. But I still know better. <laughs> Um, and they were, in fact, they were they're touring even now, aren't they? They were playing down in Bristol yeah, not too long ago. They are uh, in the rain, apparently. Mm, yeah, all got, all got drenched. 
Uh, well, good, good, good luck to them. Uh, the, the only film I've ever walked out of since we're talking about it um, was uh, Sweet Home Alabama, and the only reason I walked out of it is that uh, I was going to miss my bus. Oh yes, so I, oh. I mentioned before. I thought it was a spiceful um, no. anecdote from you, but I can't remember why it was. No, yeah, no. oh well. You ever walked out of a cinema? I mean, obviously, um, when the film's finished, I'm not saying it for the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I always stay in the cinema, Colin, for long that's, after that's, the credits you, That's roll. where you live now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just I just slept through. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I don't like it, I'll just sleep through it. It's very comfortable. Uh, Simon, uh, my brother, he's become a big fan of walking out of films. He, he seems to... Uh, he walked out of First Man in the first hour. I think he walked oh. out of... Um, was it The Hustle? That, that Rebel Wilson and Hathaway thing? After about, okay. after about half an hour. That's, uh, wow. Uh, well, if he has a Cineworld cut, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty, I guess it's very it's... releasing to, um, to say, well, this isn't going well, I'm going to walk out. In case nine, yeah. there's quite a few films that I've stopped watching on DVD. That's the same thing, isn't it? I guess it is. Although, I get, it feels like when I'm in the screen, I might as well watch it. But, um, whereas if I'm at home, I could go and put a different DVD on. I don't know. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's move on to uh, our segment to see or not to Z, uh, where we talk yep. about films we've recently seen and tell you the listener whether you should see them or whether you should not Z them. Um, Zijan, yes, hit me. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's, good, I... it's, good, it's good to speak to you. Have you got any films? I saw Booksmart. Oh yeah, uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Um, so Olivia Wilde, for those who do not know, is most known for playing. Uh, thirteen in house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She I, unfortunately, I didn't. I don't think she got. She she's gotten lucky in Hollywood. Um, yeah, because I mean, she's been in all. quite a lot of stuff, but I guess the biggest ones was Tron Legacy, and that was not big particularly. So no, definitely not. So this is her her directorial debut. Um, so the film Booksmart. It's a story about two high school girls who studied really really hard. And got into really good schools, so Ivy League schools, uh, only to discover that um, half of the party kids at their school have managed to get top places too. All right. <laughs> so, so they dis- decided that oh, uh, we've wasted our, our teenage life uh, studying and you know and not partying. So they decided to make uh, the last night the best night ever, just trying to cram you know six years of partying into one night. Wow. Um, okay. And uh, it stars Caitlin. Dever and Beanie Feldstein, so Feldstein. Um, so you know Beanie cause um, she was in Ladybird. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, best the best friend of Shersha uh, Ronan's character uh, in uh, in uh, Ladybird. Um, uh, Jason Sudeikis is in it as well. Um, uh, Olivia Wilde's real life husband. I didn't know they were married. Oh. Yeah, they're 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 married um, and have two kids as well. I read a lot of tabloids. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this is a very um, solid debut by Olivia Wall. Um, it, it's um, it's really funny show. Um, maybe a bit lewd at times, um, mm. but most American teenage uh, shows tend to veer towards that side um, a bit. But there are some very genuine hilarious laugh out loud moments in this film and I think um, uh, uh, it's good to see you know a teenage film from a different point of view anyway yeah, um, yeah. This, people say this is like the super bad I've not seen super bad this feels like a super bad uh, version with uh, two female protagonists instead of the male protagonist and so, uh, um, I can't re- Jonah Hill is Beanie's brother I think was he or half brother or something like this yeah they're, they're definitely related oh really oh I didn't know that hmm. small world 
Very small world. But yeah, um, I, I would recommend watching this film. Um, so yeah, if, if even if you don't want to go to see it, I, I would think it's worth just trying to get a DVD of it. Okay. Because it's pretty decent. Ooh. I, speaking of films we gave up on, I gave up on Superbad uh, pretty early on. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's getting rave reviews. Um, I've, I've, I've not seen it. I, I've, um, I've seen a couple of films. Well, I've seen a few, but let's go for these. Uh, Late Night, which I mentioned earlier, the Mindy Kaling. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Emma Thompson. Yeah, that's it. So Mindy Kaling wrote, uh, wrote and starred, and you say Emma Thompson is, is also starring. Um, so Mindy Kaling plays a TV comedy writer, effectively. Um mm. So uh, Emma, Emma, basically, what she does, right? <laughs> yeah, and she drew on a lot of her own experiences, I think. So Emma Thompson plays a late night talk show host who's been doing the the gig for twenty years or so um, in the US, and basically the ratings are dropped through the floor. Uh, and they suggested to her that one of the problems is that she doesn't have any women on her writing staff, um, so she hires Mindy Kaling, uh, and it goes from there. Um, I think these these two are, Emma Thompson is a phenomenal actress. I don't, I don't think she's ever bad in anything, um, so she's she's really good here. As as the, yeah, I'm not sure which of the two of them. I guess the co-leads, but um, she, she's a very good. Uh, Amini Kenning is is fun. Um, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> is there your verdict? She's fun. She's fun. Um, which I don't mean. I don't mean as an insult. Um, I think. She's, okay, okay. Uh, I, I've enjoyed the Mindy project. I think she's. I think she's she's very enjoyable in those roles. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a, I had some problems with the film. I think it's not a bad film by any stretch. I think it's 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 worth watching if it's on Netflix. I wouldn't necessarily you know, rush out and see it. Um, okay. I think I had some problems with it in that it felt like it was trying to say something. <laughs> I just couldn't All quite right. work out what it was. Um, so th- at some points they were kind of making the points that her, yeah, Emma Thompson's show had become really stale and, and it, she needed to be real and be true to herself as opposed to going through the motions. Um, I'll give it a look at like the TV series Newsroom or... or well, any number of things, I guess, where, where people are being true to themselves. But it felt like, and there are a couple of mentions of like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, where it felt like they wanted to kind of be a bit harsh on those, but then maybe realise that they need to promote the film on those. So let's <laughs> not be too mean. Uh, and there's a, kind of this, this issue about there's not enough diversity. So the entire writing, writing staff were white men until uh-huh. Mindy Kaling came in. And I think there's there's some points made there, but again, it felt like it was drawing back from pushing that too hard. Okay. Um, and it was difficult because, yeah, there's a couple of white, white guys in it who kind of claim that Mindy Kaling has been hired just because she's a woman. But the problem is she has been hired just because she's a woman. That's the point of of the film. At least that's why explicitly she's hired without knowing anything about her because she's a woman. So it, it feels a bit odd that you're trying to kind of have your cake and eat it in that respect. Um, mm. But I think my biggest problem really is that, yeah, basically Mindy Kaling revolutionised this show with some hilarious jokes and segments and stuff. And I think this is the problem you always get. I think it was on Studio 60, is that maybe because humor is subjective, I don't know, but you kind of have this hilarious joke and think, well, that's pretty good, but it's if I scrolled past it on Twitter, I wouldn't I wouldn't stop scrolling. Um, <laughs> and, and, and there's a, a segment called White Saviour that Emma Thompson does that is really excruciating, to be honest. Um, so it's, it's very difficult. But yeah, I say performances are excellent. John Lithgow's in it as well as, as Emma Thompson's husband. He's also very good. Um, so yeah, wait for Netflix, I'd say. Okay, okay, good, good. I'll do that then. Um, shall we then move on to the the main topic of the day? Um, it's X Men Dark Phoenix. It is the let me let's count them X One, X Two, uh, X Men Last Stand, um, the three Wolverine films. Um, yeah. This is the fourth prequel film, and we've got two 
Um, we've got two Deadpools. Is that 12? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, anyway. two Deadpools. This will be the 12th film. 12th film. Uh, <laughs> 12 um, films too many. Uh, that's all I have 12 say. too many? Wow. You don't like any of them. Uh, wow. Uh, Probably the 12th one is the worst. Um, so, we're going to do um, spoilers, not. Sorry, <laughs> non spoilers and spoilers. These ones Probably come, spoiler come out early, early with that. Um, yeah, so, so going into this film. Hopes were not high. Um, it's a lot of people have written off this film before seeing it. I think mainly because Apocalypse was bad. Um, I can't remember. Whether, we we did a show on Apocalypse, didn't we? Back in the, we did. Um, we did. We didn't like it. Good, because I, I I I hate to think that I said it was good and then come back and now and say it's garbage because it it was bad. But I, I think yeah, you said that this has done really really bad at the box office. I think that's at least partly because um, because of how poor Apocalypse was. It's like I think the biggest one, of, one of the biggest ones was X Men Three, and that's because X Two mm. was very good, rather than because X Three is good. Yeah. Um, what was the story, Jason? What happens in this film? What's going on? I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you know, I'm usually more gung ho when it comes to describing the plot of a film. I I know you you love it. Yeah. This is one of those cases that I really, really do not like talking <laughs> about the plot because the plot is really non-existent. So. Think of X Men: The Last Stand. Yes, you know, yeah. There's a story about um, Jean Grey having the Phoenix power coming in uh, into her, and then she destroys a bunch of stuff. She gets very angry. She kills a few people, including some notable X Men. The other X Men come here and try to stop her. Yeah, so it's the same story the same as story. that, uh, but without the... except with less subplots like a mutant the cure, cure for which example. I quite like the mutant cure subplot actually. Uh, me too. So which makes this even worse <laughs> than the original X three. Um, let, uh, let's cards on the table. Then. So you think it's the worst one yet? Do you? It's it's pretty awful. Like I've not seen the Wolverine Origins film, so okay. I've heard that those are really bad. But this is. Abysmal. So I actually um, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, <laughs> okay. So we're going to have a difference of opinion. I mean, I, I can't, yes, I can't, I can't hand on heart say it's good. Um, I don't think it's a good film, but I thought it was better than Apocalypse. Okay. Um, and I think it's better than the first two Wolverine films as well. Um, okay. So I've not seen the first two Wolverine films, so it's hard for me to compare. And in fact, what what uh, this shouldn't this isn't going to turn into another apocalypse review, but um, this really hit home to me how bad apocalypse is. Because <laughs> um, I, I think I mean a lot of us are thinking, well, it's, this film's not great, but at least it's not apocalypse. But the, the the amount that they had to ignore from that film for this to even halfway work, because I mean in apocalypse they killed millions of people uh, potentially, and they're kind of just pretending that didn't happen in this film. Did they kill millions of people? When did they kill millions of people? So when uh, towards the end, when when um, apocalypse was lifting up entire cities and moving around um, they don't explicitly say it but millions of people must have died in that and they kind of even in that film I think they're it didn't to... look like millions of people died it didn't look like anyone was suffering from that I mean I think that maybe they were trying to pretend that no one was suffering from it in the film but clearly just what he was doing it must have killed at least hundreds of thousands of people so, um, so that was a quite a bizarre contradiction to the beginning of X Men: Dark Phoenix. So I can just mention the beginning mm. right now because the X Men are treated as heroes. Mm. Um, so Professor Xavier has a direct line to the president. So these are not spoilers yet, I imagine, because no. it's just uh, the beginning. So, yeah. This is set up, yeah, 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 just set up. Um, so he has a direct line to the president. You know, if there's an emergency happening around the world, the president will call um, 
um, Professor X, and then he'll assemble the X Men. And in this case, if you've seen in the trailer, he sent the X Men off to space to save some astronauts, mm. and that's where Jean got her um, Phoenix power. Yes, because a lot of this is off the back of Days of Future Past, which I think is a fantastic film, um, maybe the best X Men film. Um, we're standing right up there, where the X Men save the president. And yeah, as you say, it is a massive contradiction, and they're kind of pretending that that the apocalypse didn't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course they did, because in apocalypse, Jean had her phoenix power triggered. Then as she well. did. She did just. I mean, there's quite a few ways that they ignore it, but yeah, the, the big one is that she becomes dark. Well, she becomes the phoenix, and that, and then they kind of pretend that didn't happen as well. Um, yeah. So I've got a few questions, and I say, was I say I like this more than I thought I would? I'm going to criticise it a lot. Um, so they, they they want the X-Men to help them out. Um, yep. The X-Men have never been to space. Nope. Why are they asking the X-Men? It's like, you guys seem like you probably can do this. You've got that, Because there's no one else in this yeah. world, right, that can help them. You've got that jet. Does it go to space? Maybe. <laughs> Give it a whirl. Uh, so, and before, this, uh, this might be spoilers, but who cares? Um, before they go into space, Beast becomes Beast, so apparently he can kind of go in and out of it at will. Um, that, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, which is a new thing for the character, and it seems to be largely because Nicholas Holt is now too big an actor to be in Beast. To be covered blue fur. <laughs> why does he need to be Beast to go into space? I don't, I don't understand what, how that helps him in any way. That's true. And I didn't know that his powers only comes about when he turns blue. No. I thought he always had those powers anyway, regardless of... Uh, well, I mean, when we saw him in X3, he was always blue. Like, he didn't have the power to go in and out, as far as we could tell. In the last one, he had some sort of serum, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. This is just our first five minutes, of <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, so they go off into space, and as you say, um, the, the, the space scene isn't bad. I mean, they, they rescue some astronauts. Um, no, Nightcrawler yeah, does his yeah. thing. Um, that, that, that's okay. It's uh, it's not the worst scene in this film. They're all kind of working as a team. We've never seen X Men in space before. That's quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, then this mysterious Phoenix Force uh, enters Jean. Jean, who's already very, very powerful, as we know, and now she becomes super powerful. Um, what, um, what, what, out of interest, what are her powers? Um, it seems- basically. Anything seems, really? Because it seems to be she gets headaches and uh, occasionally makes people fall out. <laughs> she she sees fire and she turns into a, a bird. <laughs> she got she got triggered by a, a, a bonfire, didn't she? When she was out walking. About was that what it was? In the woods. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um. So I thought Sophie Turner was actually very good in this. Um. I know we both were concerned after Apocalypse that she wouldn't be able to carry the film because uh, I don't think she was brilliant in that film with what she had to do. But I, I thought she was one of the strong points. I thought she, she played it well. Um, she was a, a competent lead. Um, I just... Uh, I I don't mind Sophie Turner, but I don't like Jean Grey's character a lot. Okay. Um, I found it, I found her really annoying. She <laughs> And this may be my projections, uh, <laughs> me projecting on her, onto her, but she does come about as like a very entitled millennial. Um, multiple those times. damn millennials eh? I know I know I feel very bad for doing this it's very annoying me but the, the, the fact like you know she keeps saying oh you don't understand me you don't understand me all, all throughout this entire film and not giving other people the chance to understand her um, or not asking okay. people for help she yeah she, she I, suddenly I it, turns on a dime um, she does and then oh yeah you know she, she let's fly off again you know if I run, run away from my problems and then fly off and then she she goes to see Magneto and then she doesn't like that and then she flies off again so yeah 
Well, I, I imagine mean, uh, yeah. super. I mean, because I quite liked fairly early on the established she's in some sort of relationship with with Cyclops, and I quite like those two together. Um, but to, I mean, to be honest, even in the original trilogy, uh, not everyone was given much to do, and Cyclops was, was relatively <laughs> underdeveloped. Uh, relatively, he got killed in like the <laughs> very early on in X Men: The Last Stand. He did. He did. I think that's because he was busy making uh, Superman Returns. In fact, um, so he didn't have much time to be on. Uh, uh, on camera for uh, X Men. Mm. Um, James McAvoy, he's back as uh, as Professor X for the fourth time. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's James McAvoy. He, I, I think both like the main characters who have appeared in all the previous four films, like James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, mm. Jennifer Lawrence, and Nicholas Holt. Yep. I mean, they know their characters inside out already. And they are all very well established actors in their own right. So I mean, like you know, at least it doesn't seem like they are they are phony at home. It, it, they look like they are actually you know trying to do a good job with it. Yeah, which and I think I, ab- Jennifer Lawrence absolutely wasn't in Apocalypse. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know whether she was mm-hmm. trying or not, but she looked like she was phoning it in. And I think she gave it more this time. Definitely. Of, a couple of scenes between her and James McAvoy, reminiscent of of uh, First Class. Um, I thought were much stronger than they were in Apocalypse. Nicholas Holt, as you said, I think I think he's really going for it. Jessica Chastain, I thought, was pretty bad. Um, so she, I she pre- I didn't like this subplot. So I'm going to. Um, so Jessica Chastain plays the big bad. I didn't mention she, this earlier in the plot. She's the villain. Uh, yeah, she, you 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 noticed that you managed to t- say the plot without mentioning her. That shows the uh, how well written the villains are in this one. Very poorly, very poorly. I didn't understand her, the point of her being in this film. It was very bizarre. Um, apparently, so just for those who have not seen this film and will never see this film, she is an alien. She comes down to Earth. They've been apparently following the Phoenix Force mm. um, across uh, across the universe. Uh, just Quite slowly, see it. it would appear. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just to see it go into Jean Grey. And then they decided to go and try to harness her power. I guess I think that's what they're trying to do, maybe. So because it doesn't seem very clear to me what they were trying to do. No, um, so they definitely want the power out of her. You're right. Uh, they make vague mentions of destroying the world. Um, it's not entirely clear why they want to do that. Uh, exactly why? I don't know why. Can't you just create their own planet again? I mean, can't, yeah, they can't just go home. You're like, great, we've got, yeah. we've got the power. Lovely. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we barely. I think we barely know her name. It gets mentioned once or twice. I, I'm struggling to think of a worse villain motivation. In certainly in an X Men film, maybe in any film, um, there's just nothing there. And Jessica Chastain, I mean, I think she's a fantastic actress, but she was bad in this. She, she was so emotionless, isn't she? Like, which I think was like, deliberate because she's an alien who's like shapeshifter who's taken on the body of another person or something. So maybe that was part of she was trying to play that. But, uh, but this was I'm, pushing I'm it. Being generous. A lot. Uh, um. Yeah, the younger cast. So your Storms, your Cyclops, your uh, Nightcrawler. I thought yeah, they were uh, all pretty good. Yeah, okay. I think Storm's accent is definitely much better than Halle Berry's accent. Yeah, her accent jumped around a bit, didn't it? Well, and then left entirely. <laughs> it became more and more American as time goes by. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she barely spoke in, in the in the last couple. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they're better than I was. They were better than I was expecting. I quite enjoyed them, but the, the script didn't oh, give them much that, to do. I'm going to tell you my biggest pet peeve for this film is the dialogue. Oh, yeah. 
this have one of the worst, worst written lines I've ever had the displeasure of hearing okay. in the cinema. And it's really bad. I don't know. I don't know about you, Colin, but there were some there were some bits which were so cringeworthy for me. Um for example, I don't know whether this is a spoiler or not, but when Mystique came in and say, you know, we should be called the ex women instead. I was like, oh. See, no. I didn't mind. I know that's coming from a bit of backlash because it's not necessarily altogether true. But I, I didn't mind that line. I thought she was kind of she's making a point that um, uh, that, that Professor X wants to be the star. He wants to be the leader, the celebrity. So, so that's the other thing. So X Men prequels have gone jumped from sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties over the last four films. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Michael Fassbender is sixty. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Nicholas Holt is 50, I guess. Um, of course, yeah, clearly. Maybe that's what the X-Gene does to people. Well, it's an argument to make. It's, <laughs> uh, I just find that so strange, that, that this 10-year this leap forward that they've been doing in all these films, I just don't understand why they've chosen to do that. It is so unnecessary. Um, it is so unnecessary. Um, Colin, I haven't finished all the bad scripts that I've... Oh, sorry, carry on. Bad dialogue I've heard. Um, there was a bit where Cyclops cursed and used the F word. He did. And that was a part that just lost me. Like, uh, I had to la- burst out loud laughing at that point in time because it, it, it just made no sense. <laughs> well, think, to, to get your PG rating, you're allowed, or 12A or 12A, um, you're allowed to have one F, F bomb. It was so they, what a bizarre. It was not a very good choice. Um. It was so weird to put that in in that point. It was so weird. And then one uh, another one which I did like was when Storm was trying to convince um, the rest of the X Men to take her to New York. What was the point of that scene at all? In that, you do not need that bit at all. You can cut it out. Um, I don't even remember that. So I guess I exactly. guess you must be able to. Yeah, it's re- oh, it's very very bad writing. Like. It's quite cringeworthy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> apparently, you don't mind it as much as I, I did. say. I didn't. The, the writing didn't stick out. To, I didn't think it was good, but it didn't stick out to me as terrible. So yeah, going back to the whole the whole ten year jump. So uh, I, I think setting the first class in the sixties was was great fun. I think it worked well. Um, even the seventies, Days of Future Past, you kind of got to use the aesthetic. But Apocalypse didn't really show much that was eighties based. This one, you could have been set any time in the last. I mean, if you told me it was 10 years in the future, I'd probably believe you. There's nothing 90s about it, really. And it only really makes sense to me if, if those films are leading up to the first X-Men as a kind of proper prequels, whereas we've got a, we've got a different timeline entirely, so you're not filling those gaps at all. But, uh, should we go to spoilers? Yeah, why not? We're running out of time. We're running out of time. Um, spoilers, 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 spoilers. spoilers, spoilers. Oh, you remember how Quicksilver was Magneto's son? <laughs> that got completely forgotten, didn't it? Yeah, well, he's not much in this film anyway. Um, well, I, so in terms of spoilers, so we, um, Mystique dies, um, which yep. for some reason they gave away in the trailer, basically. Um, Did they? I didn't see that. They, well, they didn't literally show her death, but you showed kind of scenes of um, her trying to... The scene where she's going to, to Jean says, Gene Rusters talk to me, blah, blah, blah. And then it, you see her shocked face and then you cut to a funeral. Um, and I think, okay, unless you're... I thought maybe it was some sort of clever bluff, but no. They were basically yeah, telling us this. Which kind of... The, the death of Mystique, I think, is is a potentially a big moment. Although, to be honest, I felt absolutely nothing um, when she died, which is a shame because I think, again, I, I say I love First Class and I love Days of Future Past, but I just didn't care when she died. 
I don't know about you. I thought Professor X's reaction to her death was very bizarre. All right. Yeah, because he was just nothing. Like, he doesn't seem to have any emotion, no response to that whatsoever. Obviously, Beast has, because um, he, they, he and her are a couple. But given the history... Yeah. Were they a couple? <laughs> that's, no one knows. That's another question I had, because they certainly... They were showing signs of attraction in, in the 60s. There was a cut scene in the 70s where they were uh, together, but that didn't make it into the final film. Or well, I think made it into the, into the Rogue cut. No real sign of it in the 80s. Are we saying that now, 30 years down the line, when they still both look like they're 30 years old, they finally got together? Because again, they, they kind of had the scene where they were talking about going away. And, her, mm. and her, when she's dying, she says, I love you. Which, are they together? I don't. I don't know. He definitely loves her. I think that was been fairly clear. Hmm. Yeah, I. I didn't. I thought again that was an interesting way to go. Where he's really acting, and, and in fact, James McAvoy even has a line where he says, I, "I know it may feel good to lash out at me when I've just buried my half sister." Um, so it does feel a bit like he's trying to trying to balance his kind of human reaction to the to the fact that the X Men or mutants in general are in danger of of being hated again. I thought that was actually at that point. I was quite enjoying the film. Hmm. I think it. it, it got, and then what happened? It got. I mean, it, when the, the villain plot played out, that was very disappointing. Um, Jean Grey kind of turns on a dime. So as you say, she she gets mad with the X Men and goes off. She goes to Michael Fassbender, goes to Magneto, and he tells her. And for some reason, she decides to turn on the military when Magneto was protecting her. Yeah, she. That makes no sense whatsoever. Like, Magneto was actually saying that she's not here. Don't come after me. And then she said, Oh, okay, look, I'm here. Sorry, I'm... I'll use this helicopter and come and cut your head off. Um, I, th- I think the reason that scene is there is because someone thought it'd be fun to see her and Magneto fighting each other over a helicopter. Um, Which is so silly. Like, it, it just made no sense in the whole story. Like, she went there for help. Magneto actually helped her. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, Yep. Screw this! I'm off now. Oh, then, well, he did. He did say she had to leave, so that, that kind of makes more sense, I think. But uh, didn't he say that after she tried to oh, <laughs> kill all the military people? Um, and then we got the scene where um, so Charles, well, in fact, Beast um, and Magneto have got are going to go and kill her because she killed Mystique, and they're very set on this. Um, yep. Got this kind of fun bit where Magneto drags a subway train out of the ground to to block the door. Um, why he didn't just put cars in front of the door, I'm not entirely sure. But that's uh, I guess. It's... Yeah, and then and Professor X was saying we we sh- you shouldn't cause a scene or commotion. Yeah, and then they cause a massive scene <laughs> and commotion straight after. Um. Anyway, so then Charles goes in and says, "Read my mind." Um. And I'm saying I'm going to give you a chance, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I probably shouldn't be evil." And and that's the point I think where the film started falling apart for me because it's like. <laughs> Only then, I, Colin. Only then, I was, I was giving it a really good chance at that last stage. Because um, that was a fairly lacklustre action scene. I, I've heard it described elsewhere as basically they were just trying to cross a road, um, which is fair. But it was, it felt, I mean, the film felt quite short, actually, to me. I don't know how long it was, but I, I thought, really, are we, are we getting towards the end now? Because you, haven't you gone from <laughs> I want to kill everyone to, oh, actually, no, I'm on your side. Magneto and, and Beast go from we're going to kill you come what may to we're going to defend you with our lives yep, nothing yep. really seeming to have changed exactly and and uh, they wind a train oh yeah they, so uh, Jessica Chastain takes some of the powers gets interrupted they kidnap the X-Men and put them on a train yeah, someone does uh, I can't remember who yeah then there was like yeah some some people do was that the military and then there was a maybe <laughs> then there was a fight scene again uh 
and then in the end, unless you have more to talk about the train, because I have nothing but, to talk h- about. How it. many? How many aliens were there? Because like uh, as many as they <laughs> want to. Because yeah, sometimes there seem to be maybe four or five, and sometimes there seem to be about fifty. Because um, they they were killing them willingly. They just seem to keep coming. But I'm pretty sure before that there were hardly any of them. Um, I do have a question, actually. I'm going back a bit to the the scene just before Mystique dies. So Quicksilver's running up to to get Jean. Yeah. And she sees him and removes the thing he's running up and he falls and he's hospitalised. Does Jean Grey have super speed? Is that a thing she has? Because that's the yeah. only time she uses it. Um, she can do anything, Colin. <laughs> whatever the movie wants her to do. Yeah. She has plot armour. Um, okay. And, well, in the end... She sacrificed herself to destroy the alien. For some weird reason, that works. I have no idea why. Um, for some weird reason, there was talks about her being too emotional. And she's saying, I'm using my emotions to channel my power. Even though there's no such talk about it way in the entire film until the last bit. Yeah. So that made no sense. She flew off into space with Jessica Chastain and destroyed her there and she kind of died as well. And, maybe, and does she live in live in the sky now? <laughs> Is that No, she's she's a phoenix, right? They rise from the ashes or something weird. Because I, I I assume that she was doing the old you can have all my power and that will kill you thing. But yeah, as you say, she seems to be a phoenix now, and you see at the end her kind of going up through the sky in the classic Fresser X and and Magneto just being all chummy again. Um, as as always, playing chess again. They renamed the school, the Jean Grey School for New Mutants, which is surprising to me. Cause given how much damage she's done, I would have named it Ravens yeah. or Mystics School of Gifted Youngsters rather than Jean Grey. What did she do? <laughs> what has she done to contribute to she mutant life? Probably save humanity or something. Um, did she really? <laughs> what I find very strange is that this is. I, I get that they rewrote the timeline from the original X Men films, but at the end of Days of Future Past. Logan goes back into the future uh, and he meets Professor X who's in charge of the school. He sees Jean Grey who's there with Cyclops. Everything's back to normal, effectively. And yet this and this is supposed to be in that timeline. And yet it's no longer Professor X school. Jean Grey's no longer there. What on earth is going on? <laughs> I mean, I know that X-Men films aren't always consistent, but they've completely thrown that timeline out even though it was only two films ago. Uh, I guess they're saying, yep, screw it, we're going back to Marvel now. What's the worst we can yeah. do? So, I mean, this all in all, I'd say I don't have as many problems with this as I had with Apocalypse. I think it's a better film, but it's just really disappointing to see these characters have this kind of pathetic limp out of the franchise. They deserve more, I think, these actors, these characters. Well, who knows where, where they're going to end up? I really? don't, I d- I don't, yeah. I don't, think we'll, I don't think we'll see this cast again. I don't think we'll see these characters again for, for a good long time, to be honest. I hope so. It's time to give the X-Men a break. I don't think they can. I'm not sure how well the Marvel spin can make X-Men, you know, I reckon they, come to life yeah, again. Yeah, I mean, maybe a TV series. They, do, they did a TV series on the X-Men, The Gifted. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Um, they did. Uh, and it got cancelled after two Fair seasons. Enough. Okay. So... I, I I did write actually some of this feels like a bad episode of T series. It's, it's characters that I like, but if this was the only thing I'd seen them in, I wouldn't like them because there's just nothing there uh, a lot of the time. Um, oh well, I did another point, but I have entirely forgotten what it was. <laughs> oh well. Um, well, that's it for them. It's a bit of a I say limping out. Oh, that was it. Um, so it was Matthew Vaughan who did uh, First Class, uh, and before Brian Singer came back for Days of Future Past. But apparently, what he said to Fox 
was he had this idea for Days of Future Past, kind of bring back the old cast and new guys, but it should be the third film in the trilogy. And he wanted mm. to do Apocalypse, I think it was second, or basically or some film second, and then finish on that high note. And Fox went, no, no, we want to rush straight to Days of Future Past. Um, and he'd written the script of Days of Future Past, which he's, I think he's still credited on. And that that's, that seems to be the problem, because Days of Future Past, I think it was a fantastic film, but is a kind of great climax to the, the as opposed to, a, that's our second film, where do we go now? And I think they never really worked out where to go from that. Uh, so moral of the story is? Moral of the story is listen to Matthew Vaughan. Okay, good. Cool. Um, yeah, I say I liked it more than I thought I would, but I didn't, I didn't like it, especially. <laughs> it was fine. Cool. At times. Um, let's move on then quickly. Uh, what time have we got here? So let's let's talk Jeremy Bell films uh, for a while. So Jeremy Bell... Most recently seen in Rocket Man, which we recorded our last episode on. So if you haven't uh, listened to that one, go and check that out because it's a great film and um, it doesn't seem to be one of our more popular episodes. So check it out. Um, it really, if you've got made it this far in this one, I've seen eight Jamie Bell films. I've seen four. Okay, do you want to r- rattle through them? Uh, the worst film of all time, Fantastic Four. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I saw The Adventures of Tintin. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, uh, and he voiced Tintin. I, Imagine uh, if I remember correctly. He did, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw, um, I've seen Billy Elliot. <gasps> I see, I've still not seen Billy Elliot, although it was on Have last you? night and I caught maybe like two minutes of it and I thought I need to see this film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's his debut and I mean, he's, he's pretty decent for a, a child actor back in those days. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember much of Billy Elliot because it's been a while since I saw it. Um, I, I've see, I remember seeing it in Malaysia, so that's quite a while back. Oh, okay. But oh. yeah, I mean, the worst film is definitely a Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I've seen quite a few. So I was um, oh, eight. So Nicholas Nickleby. Um, I thought he was really good in Nicholas Nickleby. Actually, I can't remember the name of the character, but um, uh, it was it was not a bad adaptation. Charlie Hunnam played Nicholas Nickleby, but um, Jamie Bell thought was the, the the star of that. It was um, very. So it's post Billy Elliot, but it was pretty early for him. Uh, he was in King Kong, the Peter Jackson King Kong. No, I didn't see that. He's not, it's, it's not a bad film. It's it's too long, way too long. I mm. think Peter Jackson has a bit of a problem with uh, time. And the humans probably aren't the most captivating people in it, so I don't really remember much of what Jeremy Bell did. And there is one scene, actually, in particular, the, the, where the CGI is utterly terrible. Um, mostly it's fantastic, but there's a scene where Adrian Brody and someone else being chased by dinosaurs and it is embarrassing it's like them running in front of a blue screen and the blue screen dinosaurs and it just look it up on youtube um listeners because it is horrendous um he was in jane eyre i think he played um uh, jane eyre's cousin from memory uh, it's a good adaptation actually it's uh mia vasikovska um michael fassbender uh, x-men zone mm-hmm. and uh and judy dench it's i, I do I like that one a lot uh, apparently he's a man on a ledge I think he may have been in in the crew of the guy who said cinema I always forget Sam something or other the guy who's in uh, Avatar Worthington Worthington yeah. uh, which is I think it's a really fun film I think people should check that out it's it's not high art by any means but there's a guy on a ledge basically and <laughs> okay um, and people Elizabeth Banks is his cop who's trying to talk him down from it but there's also um, a robbery going on elsewhere which Jeremy Bell's involved in so it's uh, it's got some good twists in it I think it's worth watching. Uh, Snowpiercer, which I've mentioned before, but um, this is a film by a Korean Chris director, Evans. Chris Evans. Is it oh, Bong Bong Ho? I think. Yeah, yeah. they're making a TV series of it as well. Yeah, he's got good perception. It's never actually been released in this country until it got onto Netflix fairly recently. Um, 
I think it's it's a weird film. So it's basically everyone lives on a train now. So the world is kind of I think it's a post climate change or something, but it's post some sort of wiping out of the humans and the only life left apparently is on this train just going round and round tracks permanently. But there's there's kind of massive class system in the train. So you've got the kind of the, the engineer grunts uh, not the engineers, the kind of the workers at one end, and they they're trying to fight their way up the train. Mm. Um, it's a strange film, uh, <laughs> but worth watching, I think. So I check that okay. out. And, uh, Netflix, um, and the one that my brother has been asking me to watch for for months, um, which I finally got around to again, it's on Netflix. Um, film stars don't die in Liverpool. Uh, it's based on a true life story of of kind of a golden age actress, uh, Gloria something um <laughs> sorry sorry simon um i want to say gloria Gaynor, but it's not her uh, gloria something uh as played by net benning uh and jamie bell is, is this 28 year old lad um uh, from liverpool uh who basically has an affair with her uh, and you see kind of two different times i think there's a jump of a few years in between one where they're kind of going around together in in new york i think and then a bit later where she's very ill back with them in liverpool um it's it's wonderfully acted. Both Jamie Bell and Let Benning are on great form. Julie Walters is in it as well. Um, reteamed after after Billy Elliot. Um, personally, I couldn't really get on board with the the, the, the the central relationship. So it's a love story between a twenty eight year old guy and a sixty year old woman. I just find that too strange, personally. Um, so apologies to any listeners who are in such a relationship. Uh, but I just can't get on board with that. Um, so that kind of stopped me from fully getting into the film. Um, so sorry, Simon, because I know you love this. But uh, so if you, I would say you don't need to watch it, but um, but if you prefer Simon's view on films, check it out. So my favorite of all those is Rocket Man. Uh, yeah, me, mine too. I think mine too. Cool. Um, who's our actor for next time's actor factor season? Um, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. We're gonna have lots to talk about. I imagine more than more than Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Yep. At least a few franchises as well. That's true. That's true. Cool. Um, right then, let's go move on to the the quiz, our famous quiz segment, uh, where this time we are quizzing. famous. <laughs> <laughs> this time we are talking about the uh, animated classics Aladdin, Dumbo, Mulan, and The Lion King. Yay! I can start. Please Question do. one: Which Tony Award-winning Broadway actress provided the singing voice for both Jasmine and Mulan? Kate Smith. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, Lea Slama. So close. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, which of these four films did not win the Oscar for best score? That's Mulan, right? Very good. Yeah. Uh, question two. The Lion King featured five original songs from Elton John and Tim Rice and one not so original song. What is it? Uh, is it The Lion Sleeps Tonight? Yep, that's correct. See, I, I had no idea that was in it until I saw the trailer for the live action where they started singing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is that, is that song in this film? It is. Um, yeah, it is in the film. Speaking of Lion King, what is the name of Simba's childhood lion friend? Uh, Nala. Very good. Yeah. Uh, question three. Mulan is the second Disney princess to have both parents alive and present <laughs> during the entire film. Who was the first? <sighs> Wow. There's so many stepmothers out there, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just running through the Disney print. So Mulan was in the 90s. Mulan was only the second. Um, <laughs> ooh, no, it's not that. Um, no, it's not that. Uh, <laughs> I just give, I was like, no, no, her family were massacred. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Being a Disney princess is a horrible life. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Goodness me, I, yeah. I had no idea. 
Um, I'm going to have to just guess a random one. Yeah, um, at, at the moment, I'm just struggling to think of any at all. <laughs> this is bad. Alice from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. Her parents, were, a, her parents were alive, it, right? <laughs> it's a Sleeping Beauty. Well, her parents, okay. She had a stepmother, didn't she? No. No, real parents uh, who got pricked, yeah. Um, How long is the film Dumbo to within five minutes? That's like 60 minutes long or something. You're going with 60? Yeah. Very good, it's 64, so you get that. I know it's one of the shortest films I've ever made. Um, Question four. uh, Verna Felton, the voice of Dumbo's mother, also provided the voice of of another elephant in which other Disney film? Uh... The Jungle Book? Yep, there are not many films. I was say, there's not many elephants. <laughs> elephants. Uh, okay, the fourth question for you, and if you get this one, you have won. Yep. Um, which singer and former teen idol from Utah, look at all the detail I'm giving you in this question. What is this? Um, it must be very provided the horrible. singing voice of Captain Li Shang in Mulan. Ah, uh, yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> It's a horrible question. That's a, great, I, that's a great question. As long as you know your no, it's not. As long as you know your singers and former teen idols from Utah. No, I I can't remember who the, the main the voice actor is as well. No, I don't know. No, it's a uh, Donny Osmond. Ah, cool. Maybe I should have known. Uh, question five from me to you. Uh, according to the song Prince Ali, what is his last name? Ooh. No, I have seen this film um, about a month ago. Yep. Um. It's not Baba. Um, Ali, <laughs> Ali, Ali. Um, you know how it goes, right, Colin? Not like it's not one of the more memorable songs for me, if I'm honest. Um, Jala. <laughs> Is that your answer? <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> no, it's uh, Prince Ali. Fabulous, he Ali Ababwa. Ali Ababwa. Ababwa is his last name. I thought they were just making a sound. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, in which case, you've already won it, but here's to seal your victory. Um, the parrot Iago from Aladdin is named after a character from which Shakespeare play? Uh, I should know this. Is it Othello? It is Othello. A comprehensive 4-2 uh, victory. Congratulations. Um, next time, I don't think we've done it. I, th- I kind of, in the back of my mind, thought we had done this, but then I couldn't see it in the spreadsheet. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. say Men in Black. Do you think we've done a Men in Black quiz before? It sounds like we have. It sounds like we have, but it's not in the spreadsheet. So I'm going to say Men in Black. And okay. even if we have, I guess we just ask different questions. I've got a whole new film to ask questions about now as well. So uh, That's true. That is true. Um, what's, what's our main topic for next time, Dijon? Uh Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4, which means I'm going to have to see it. You'll be fine. You like Toy Story 3. I like all the Toy Story films. I've exactly. Got, I've got so no, I don't I've know. nothing to complain about. Why, why are you making so reluctant? Um, check it out. That's, that's my big sign-off. Check it out. <laughs> Bye.